This is To Be Continued, the Coming Out Saga podcast, and I'm Amber Birch. At the moment, I use she, they pronouns, though that could change at any time, and I am here to normalize that for myself and anyone else. I came out first as pansexual and now as queer at the age of 40 after an eight-year marriage. This podcast is my attempt to sift through the many layers that are part of the after of coming out. I hope in my stories and the questions I'm sitting with, you'll ultimately see glimpses of your own story and space to be with it all. Before I dive into today's episode, I want to make sure that I state up front that this podcast is my personal experience. I am not suggesting anything that I do here is what anyone else should do. And I'm definitely not a licensed therapist. Though um, I definitely recommend a good therapist always to support anyone who is moving through grief in particular, hard transitions, trauma, loss, just deep diving into some pretty core places of pain for a lot of reasons. Um, The more resources to support you, the better in my opinion. And I, I certainly don't know what anyone else needs. And it just feels really important to state that because when I talk in a bit in this episode about allowing myself to really feel the fullness of some pain, I... I'm doing so from a place of self-knowing and of my knowing my capacity for experiencing this pain and, and being resourced within it. Um, so if I recommend anything, it's that whenever you need to go into some dark places, some hard places that you're afraid to go alone, that you listen to this in yourself and reach out where you can. Uh, hopefully there's a therapist, um, a trusted friend, maybe it's reaching out for a referral from a doctor for support, um, a mentor, a sponsor, a crisis line, whatever you need, and invite in that support, please. I know it's not often that simple. Um, I know things are not always available in this society, um, but I truly hope and you know trust on some level that there is some help within reach for for us um yeah thanks for being here <laughs> i have to say to start this episode a few things one that i think i didn't realize until like the end after I finished recording like my last podcast episode that that would be a good wrap up for my season one because it'd been like a year this podcast has been around now for a year (laughs) and just felt like okay like talking about fall and just like a recap on things from the year that's like a good that's a good wrap up right But I don't think that I actually, yeah, it was very after the fact. So, uh, very anticlimactic, I guess. (laughs) So, 
cheers to one season of this podcast. I really don't, I don't know what's going to happen with this podcast. You know, I'm, I'm not like a podcaster in the sense that I have everything like mapped out and I have, you know, some big strategy or anything like that for this podcast. I really don't. I mean, as long as it feels like it's serving in some way, great. Uh, but it may have served its purpose and maybe we won't even really make it through a season two. I don't really know. I'm not here to force anything. Um, but I have been trying to think about, you know, things that I would love to be able to bring out, bring to the table more in this season, if, if it's possible. Um, I just don't yet know what that's going to look like. So feel free to write in if you have any suggestions of things that you would like to hear. Um, I, I would certainly open to suggestion. Um, but yeah, welcome to season two. And I have to say, we're really starting season two off with a bang. Uh, talking about grief and loss. <laughs> so, womp womp. <laughs> um, if you've been around for a while, um, you kind of have to laugh with me because I'm not like a killjoy. I promise I'm not, but <laughs> I, I just feel like, you know, things tend to have a little bit more weightiness around here, I guess, when I, when I come to share things. So, um, I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm also, also recognize it's not everybody's jam. So clearly if you're here listening, then you're hopefully getting something out of it. And if it's not your jam, you're not. So, um, but yeah, tongue in cheek and all that aside, I am coming into this episode um, from a pretty raw place, um, a very raw place, I should say, which is not unusual for me to say that, but it's really true today. Um, and I will obviously talk about that more in, as the episode goes on, but, um, one of the, the reasons why, which I think will also become more clear as I talk throughout this episode, that I even even coming in here in such a raw state is because for me, I really do find like so much of my healing process, so much of um, just the recognition of working through some really hard things is being able to like name them and to share story. And for me, that's a really, that's just a really vital component of my process. And so this podcast is very therapeutic for me. And I really can only hope that hearing it provides something, you know, therapeutic or at least just um, validating uh, for, for people who aren't necessarily in a position to come onto a podcast and talk about really personal hard things um that's not everybody's jam either no problem with that so I don't mind being that person I just hope that it's also a benefit but I want to start back I want to start back before you know today where I'm coming in at um 
during my eight years of marriage. I really learned to live during that time with what felt like a, a weight of unspeakable, like an unspeakable secret, which is really the trauma that my lived experience in that relationship involved and the circumstances that engulfed our life together. Um, I didn't feel like it was something that I could really bring out into the open. And I didn't feel like I had a lot of like safe places where I could bring the fullness of it. I, you know, I had also grown up from the time I was a young teenager in my family with a, a family secret that wasn't something I could share freely. So it hit a little too close to home. Two years later, find myself in my adult version of a story that did not fully belong to me and therefore, you know, must be kept private. But naturally, at least for me as a writer of true stories, I found ways for my story to kind of bleed out in poems and veiled prose. I got really creative and and writing truly is like my art and outlet. Um, But I I found ways for grief to have a voice in my story, working around these limitations as best I could. And so I do feel pretty dedicated to what I see as setting stories free from hiding to give a voice, to give space for the hard, messy, painful, in-process parts of our stories to be told and heard and honored. It's, for me, never been about the issue of privacy or oversharing as a like um like why do you do that like those are things we should be that should be kept private you know like um or I'm too private of a person to tell those things those are things we keep to ourselves you know that's never been my my personal like compass and I I really think there's such a broad individual spectrum here that each of us falls on and it's up to us to determine where on that spectrum we're most aligned and for me it's about it's been about finding my edge that place of like both kind of comfort and discomfort of radical truth telling that honors myself and others and my story as best I can and feels like integrity and feels also like invitation And so because I have found so much healing and solace, recognition, companionship in the bravery that I've seen and and read in other people's stories, I I guess I, I place a lot of value and find a lot of honor in being someone who can offer something that may benefit others in a similar way. There's a lot of power and a lot of responsibility that can come with storytelling. But yeah, the topic of grief 
That has been a theme running through my stories for more than a decade. I think in the beginning years, it made me uncomfortable because of how uncomfortable it seemed to make other people. I felt like I needed to defend it. I had, I felt like I needed to defend my right to share grief because it might be seen by others and judged as self-pitying or wallowing or just being a downer, you know, years ago, not having enough faith or some such nonsense that, you know, we can tend to judge other people by. In white Western culture in particular, because God forbid we burden others with what we deem as negative emotions or bad vibes or, you know, what we see as victimhood. Um, I really, you know, I don't think it's um, any news to any of us that, like, people that we that our, our culture tends to prop up as heroes are the ones that write out trauma and loss and crises and disaster all with a smile on their face and some positive spin on everything. You know, the ones who just are super human, hold it all together and not never talk about themselves or their struggles. And after, like, digesting this for so many years, I just began to call bullshit on it. Like... Those were not my heroes. My heroes were the ones who I saw stepping out into the arena with like blood on their knees and tears streaming down their cheeks. The ones who weren't hiding their faces in shame or embarrassment, but really allowing their full humanity to be on display without apology. These were my heroes because they, they also gave me permission to be that human and to be that brave. You know, so grief and I have developed a pretty intimate relationship, you could say, over this time. Um, I used to, I used to think grief came and went kind of like a, a house guest, but after enough years with grief, I, I just had to concede that grief was more like, you know the adult child that never moves out <laughs> or probably more just like a long-term like you know housemate someone that deserved her own room in my house she's not always you know hanging out in the living room being chatty but she's also never that far away I I don't think that I'm like special in this way I think this is a pretty universal human experience and the grief is actually never that far from any of us but that doesn't mean that all of us you know make friends with grief for whatever reason um or that we all recognize grief's presence when when you know she's around and uh I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> All right. I said that I was coming in hot and raw, so here we go. <laughs> but yeah, for for all of us, like that relationship with grief, it's, it's just going to look different, you know? So when I talk about grief or write stories about grief, 
it's not about centering grief as like the main character of the story. It's just about not sidelining grief, not silencing grief, not trying to dress grief up in like prettier clothes and call her by a different name, just letting her be as she is, as she needs to be, without hiding. might beg the question naturally why why now why all this talk about grief well grief has been hanging out with me in the living room a lot the last couple days in the face of a very recent still incredibly raw loss it's the end, at least as far as I know today, of a relationship that I've talked about on and off here on the pod with, you know, the person who's been my love these past nine months, someone that I still love very much. What I'm not here to do today is to tell the story of how this came apart or why Um, there will be no nitty gritty details, I'm afraid. First of all, because that's not what I'm here to do. My kind of uh, true st- storytelling does does involve privacy, um, my own and you know this person's. It's just that you know being a private person is not my reason for why I don't share vulnerable stories in general publicly. But also, I mean, I couldn't answer my own questions right now if I wanted to. There's so much I don't understand and so much that I think I uh, very uncomfortably just have to live into for a while before I might and might not make some sense or meaning of all this. Or at least, you know, see how it weaves in more with the rest of my story. And there's nothing I can predict with certainty. And who knows where this story will go. That's not a lot of um, consolation for a heart that feels it's bleeding out of an open wound right now. But I think there actually is some consolation to be found here. In not knowing. In surrendering to what is unknown. But first, there's the grief. As someone who, again, has gotten pretty comfortable with grief, I I can take for granted that I've got this. I know how to do this shit. And so I found myself, you know, pretty quickly after the breakup, falling into... Um, Let's make meaning of this mode. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Because if I can make meaning of it, if I can get on board with it as quickly as possible, I can actually, you know, I can feel better about it 
sucking so much. (laughs) And I can actually do the thing I'm... Um, I think that I'm not doing, which is kind of find a shortcut around grief. Because honestly, I, I think I'm really fatigued on feeling heartbreak. I, I imagine I am not alone in that at all. We all have our share of it, our varying degrees and versions of it. So yeah, I've had for myself what's felt like a pretty steady diet of it for the last several years. And I'm really fucking tired of it. I'm tired of loss. It makes the inner child in me want to absolutely tantrum, like knocked down, dragged out, fighting tantrum. I I didn't tantrum a lot as a child, at least. You know, I, th- I think that I, I, I cycled through that pretty quickly because I, le- I learned to be afraid of that. So I think what happened sometimes was that it came out in my sleep. I think I had sleep tantrums. I mean, this was probably, there was some trauma that I was working through also clearly, but, um, I can't help but wonder if if they were sleep tantrums because I went through a period where I would kick my heels against the wall and scream in my sleep. I don't remember any of it. I was just told this, but yeah, (laughs) that's what I feel like I'm doing right now. Or what the inner child in me wants to do. And I'm, I'm learning to have so much tenderness and patience and compassion for this dear child. Like, I hear you, little buddy. <laughs> of course, you are exhausted and overwhelmed and scared and probably hungry too. And you have every right to be. I'm here. Let it all out. I am not going anywhere. But still, I've caught myself, like I said, trying to kind of step around this part. The part where I like, go really deep into the pain and just let it exist. Let it express itself. Let it be without explanation or defense. Without my mind stepping in and trying to control the narrative around it which for someone who is very in my head is very difficult to do um, or not to do so yeah even for someone who is I don't know kind of a seasoned veteran when it comes to like getting comfortable with grief this is so so uncomfortable it's so hard but it's so crucial, right? Because this pain, it's not going anywhere on its own. It's got to be digested, and then it's got to be absorbed and eventually transmuted into some other form. 
when I left my marriage and moved across the country a little over two years ago, I found myself hanging out quite a bit in a rather strange place, an old cemetery. I think it surprised me how present grief was when right after deciding to leave my marriage, I experienced such elation and joy. Like there was still grief. I was still sad, but like, it was like the elation and the and the joy for this short period of time just took over. Like they were so big. The sense of liberation and relief was so huge. And there was also this new love that definitely like cushioned it and tempered the grief for a little while. So when I finally moved into this new life, I think I was expecting that joy to still be, you know, still pretty loud, louder than the grief at least. But grief, bless her little heart, <laughs> had packed up all her things and moved with me across the country. Like, of course, I knew she would, but we also don't tend to know these things fully until they stare us right in the face. So there I am, several thousand miles away from my old life, in this new town, new relationship, new book of my life really and I'm drawn to the cemetery to sit among old gravestones and perform these grief rituals to honor what I've lost what I'm letting go of to surrender to it all I'm sitting there you know with my candles and my lighter setting fire to scraps of paper that I've written things on just sobbing and trying to not not to look more eccentric than I am, but also not really caring. Writing things down, telling the story, like these things often help me settle down with the pain and quiet myself and listen. And being in a cemetery seemed to help that too. But, you know, music helps me too. God. Music helps so much. The stories my Spotify account could tell, and honestly now does tell, thanks to their yearly recaps. (laughs) The songs that I've listened to on repeat, like the number of times I've listened to certain songs and playlists, like while driving and sobbing, in the shower and sobbing, (laughs) going for a walk and sobbing, (laughs) laying in bed late at night and sobbing, dancing, or flowing on my yoga mat, and sobbing. You get the picture. Lots of sobbing. (laughs) But each song really has its own story. I could pull up like a catalog, like emotionally in my memory. Every time I hear it, it's like I'm transported back to that moment, or that season, or that state that I was in when I first heard that song and when it was really like showing up for me you know like here's an example late last summer when I was freshly processing this loss of relationship with my mom after coming out there was this song I was listening to on repeat 
kind of an odd song, I guess. If you look at the overall lyrics, it's beautiful. It's called Do No More, all one word, um, by Rose Cousins. Um, but as is often the case for me, there's like a line in it that really speaks to me, or maybe it's the music itself really aside from the lyrics. But in this case, there was like a verse that just gutted me. Um, it, it goes like this. Well, surely comes the day that I will rest my head. Let everything I say be everything I've said. And on days that fill with doubt, let wisdom hold me up. Heart, be with me now as I make way for love. May I make room for love. May I make room for love. Heart, be with me now as I make way for love. I remember hiking up to my favorite lookout spot on this mountain that's in my backyard right now sitting on a rock face there and just playing this song as I surveyed the like the mountain hillside just crying I remember thinking then how painful it is to say these things that need to be said and to not have them received to have them end a relationship and even so this deep recognition that not saying the things that need to be said for me is actually more painful breaking myself into pieces to be accepted or loved staying hidden that's more painful and so surrendering to the pain of this loss I could feel the hope of making room in my life for love that is spacious enough to embrace all of me. Starting with me, embracing all of me, no matter what the cost. I found my way back to this song today, listening to this old playlist. Thinking about how Even sharing these pieces of my life publicly here in this podcast is honoring that commitment, that hope of saying the things that need to be said. And some days, being able to return to these things I've said and allowing the wisdom that I trust is greater than me in my words, allowing that to encourage me again, to hold me up, to remind me of where I've I've been and where I'm going. I feel the weight of sadness. I'm really tired of saying goodbye to people I love. I didn't want to say goodbye to this person. I wanted this love to continue growing for years to come in my life. I still want that. It sucks, and I'm not a fan of this at all. But maybe, maybe even here, in the suckiness, and the pain, and what looks at the moment like loss, maybe there is space 
that is also being cleared out for more love. Maybe I just can't see this yet, but I will in time. There's a poem I wrote. I think it's the first one I wrote at the beginning of my relationship with my former lover. (laughs) I shared it here, I think, in um, episode 12, writing softness into our stories. So if you've heard that already, then I'm sorry, this will be a repeat, but seems like this is my version today of sitting in the cemetery, lighting fire to things and setting them free, was to read this poem again, to really let it come full circle, to honor what was and what I feel like I'm letting go of and what I don't know is to come. I have, there's two versions of this poem there's the one that I originally wrote and there's one that I edited and I think that I'll share both again the poem is called I want to watch you I want to watch you blink your shuttered eyes in the morning and turn toward me with sleep dusted glow I want to watch you unfurl beneath my touch while I trace fingers across your frame, your body pedaling open, soft and dew-dripped, lifting. I want to watch you crack open your chrysalis again and again, with each emergence, more holy you. I want to watch you become you and you and you for however long our stories will gently weave in and around and through each other and I want to watch you as you spread wings and dance through waves of air even if you never return. I want to watch you even if it breaks me. I want to watch you. God. (laughs) That chokes me up a bit right now. (laughs) I was challenged to rewrite that ending. So I rewrote it this way. Without anticipation of breaking, I want to watch you. In the invitation to softer love, I want to watch you. I want to watch me. I want to watch us transmute. It's tempting right now to look back at that original version and say, well, I called it. Here I am, breaking. Love broke me again. Doesn't seem like we managed to transmute that fear. And honestly, there may be some truth in that, but it's not complete. It's not the complete truth. I really wanted to tell a completely different story. One where softer love reigned throughout without fear of breaking. 
I think we managed that in part. And maybe that's good enough for now. Something to build on. I think that I... This is something that I can keep building on. The story of believing in the co-creation of a love in which there is both this kind of autonomy and also safety to fully relax into invitation to rest from fear. I can only hope. And for now, I can only sit and have tea and many full body cries with my dear old friend, Grief. So may I lean more deeply into this process, the the trust of this process, and the unexpected reroutes along the way. May we all find gentleness and hope and healing here.